Hey, welcome back to the Silver Fortune podcast. Uh, today we're going to be talking about um, silver and gold. You know, no surprise there. Uh, what is it their turn? You know, we're seeing a, a lot of other markets, particularly commodity markets, have have very large moves to the upside. Uh, many of which also have have probably much larger uh, moves to the upside yet to come, despite you know the moves we've seen just thus far in 2021. And and it kind of leaves one asking. When is it silver's turn? When is it gold's turn? So I want to talk about that real quick before we get started. I just want to thank each one of you for tuning into today's podcast. Um, thank you to those of you that have uh, entered the, the the giveaway that I posted on my podcast on my YouTube channel uh, last Friday. Um, you still have time to enter. It's open through uh, this Friday, uh, and and a fair number of people have entered. But but I'm drawing you know five different names or you know, in this case email addresses, uh, and, and so your your odds of of winning are still fairly high. Um, so so be sure to enter, be sure to check that out. And of course, silver is on the list of of things that I'm giving away. So so uh, check out check that out. Uh, enter if you haven't already. Um, once again, circling back to the main topic of today's video, you know right off the top of my head, and and you know I have some browser tabs open in front of me too, which which sort of help. But, but thus far in 2021, we have seen big moves to the upside in the lumber market, the copper market, zinc, steel, uh, oil, gasoline, uranium, natural gas, coal. Um, I'm trying to think if I, did I named copper already. Um, a lot of different commodity markets, a lot of different energy markets, big moves to the upside, some larger than others. And some, um, have certainly come back down to earth. I mostly think of lumber here. And many of these have, have a long ways to run, it would appear. The, the energy crisis, especially in Europe, is, is far from over when it comes to natural gas. If anything, we're, we continue to see a trend upward in terms of, of energy prices. So a lot of those energy type commodities, coal, oil, natural gas, gasoline, uh, etc. Um, we're seeing a similar trend in uranium. And, and that's certainly a move that I think has a long ways to go. Currently sitting under $50 a pound. Um, but, but certainly many, many pundits based on some of the really major supply and demand, especially on the demand side, um, factors that have come out in just the past, past couple days, but even the past couple months, including the Sprott, um, uranium trust and, and now, uh, how do you pronounce it? Kazataprom, one of the large, uh, Kazakhstan producer, um, I think it was Sunday night here in the United States announced that they're going to be, um, making a, uh, creating a, a 50, sorry, not 50. I think it totaled $500 million at the market offering to, to buy up more, um, uranium metal off the spot market. Um, we're seeing this really across the board in, in a lot of these commodity markets. Um, coffee up almost 100% year over year. Oats over 100% year over year. Um, and, and many others. Wheat up 16, soybean up 15. Um, lumber still up over 32%. Um, palm oil over 78%. Sugar 31%. Corn 30%. So again, there's a lot of other commodity markets. And we got to ask, when is that going to happen for, for silver? Now, I get it. I know what some of you are thinking. You know, silver is not a commodity. Silver is money. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a currency, but it's also a money and it's not, you know, a commodity like, like steel or, or 
soybeans. And I get that. You know, silver is kind of one of those weird markets where it, it, I shouldn't say weird, unique. It's the only one I can really think of that has a significant demand both from industrial and monetary purposes. You get that to some extent in some of the other metals. Uh, certainly copper historically has had a higher monetary use, not so much these days. Gold has somewhat of an industrial use, um, but, but to a much smaller extent than, than silver. Um, platinum, palladium, rhodium, those, those are more so, you know, valued for their industrial purposes, but certainly, uh, they're highly valued as essentially a, a precious metal, you know, one of the other white metals. Uh, I think I've heard them called, you know, the, the other, the white metal, the other white metal, the other, other white metal, you know, you can buy them in coin format. They're, they're, they're very investable, not, not as liquid as silver or gold, but certainly something people do, but, but it's still not there to the same extent as it is with silver, right? Uh, I, I like to think of it as, you know, reasonably close to like a 50 50 split between industrial and, and, uh, monetary demand for silver coins bars etc that jewelry which oftentimes i think has a monetary driver behind it especially in, in many eastern cultures it's not a 50 it's not a perfect 50 50 split but but it's it's close right much closer than than many of these other metals and so in some ways silver is a commodity right it's a monetary commodity it has a huge amount of demand for monetary purposes, but it also is uh, what I think it has the second most uses of any uh, any substance out there. You know, with the exception of of crude oil, which is used to make everything from plastic to gasoline to jet fuel to a whole bunch of other polymers and other synthetic products, um, silver is only second to that. Incredibly useful in our modern world for electronics and, and many many other purposes. And it hasn't made the move one would expect at all. In fact, if, if, if you're looking at what's happening in a lot of these other markets, many of them have, you know, really started to move up. They've, they've been moving up pretty steadily for most of 2021, right? But even, you know, uh, you know, natural gas started to take off in, in like August, especially in, in some markets, you know, um, um, you know, crude oil has been moving up pretty significantly, especially lately. Um, same thing goes for steel and, and certainly uranium. And, and But then you look at, you know, look at silver and, well, I mean, silver is up since, you know, the beginning of the month pretty significantly. But if you look back to, you know, May, it's a, it's a pretty, pretty significant downtrend line that silver is trying to break out of, you know, right now. So, so where is this same move in silver? That's a great question. And I wish I could give you like a, a, a rock solid answer on it. I mean, first of all, we, we have to come to terms with the idea of, uh, of manipulation. I hate, you know, people, uh, some people that fall on the other side of this manipulation debate when it comes to precious metals, people that are a fan of precious metals. Um, there's, there's a couple that come to mind that I won't name. You know, they oftentimes mock us for this idea of, of manipulation. And, and that, you know, it's kind of the boogeyman. We just, you know, blame everything on manipulation. Uh, but, but it, it can often, and don't get me wrong, people on the other side of the debate can fall into this category as well, but it almost becomes a, a sort of a religion. Um, it becomes this, this notion, this, this belief that they develop that manipulation doesn't play a significant role in the metals market. And, and everything they say and everything they, you know, put out there is, is on that basis. 
right? Even, even when presented with inf information that, that flies directly in the face of that claim, that manipulation isn't a significant player in the precious metals market, or, or some that would even go so far as to say that it basically doesn't exist. Um, there, there's a lot of evidence to, to the, to the, uh, to the very opposite side of that argument. Um, I mean, obviously the, the big public ones are, are you know, the, the, the times it's gone to trial. People had admitted to, to spoofing the markets or, or, you know, the chat boards between, um, different, different traders, um, trading uh, on the COMEX and elsewhere. Um, but, but, but even, you know, the, the way the mechanism of, of the, not the mechanism, but the way in the nature in which the price moves for, for silver and gold as well, it, it defies, um, any real sensible way in which a market moves sometimes. And by sometimes, I mean, you know, at least once a week, whether it's, you know, that big move to the upside and then a long eight hour trailing down, you know, we've, we've all seen this where silver moves up, you know, 50 cents. It's like, oh, it's a big move. And then the next eight hours, it gives back 25 of those cents um, on just a long downward grind, right? We've seen those late Sunday night smackdowns on a very illiquid market where you see a massive amount of silver or gold contracts sold in a very illiquid market at that time, which doesn't make sense from, from a profit perspective unless they're afraid of a significant move to the downside for some other unforeseen reason, right? We've seen silver and gold move to the upside on, on news that otherwise should be positive, uh, higher inflation or on the opposite side, you know, um, news that, that might make it look like the Fed is going to continue to keep monetary policy easy, you know, what, whichever direction. And yet when it's all said and done, you know, we might see those spikes, but it, it's always given back. And when we don't see those spikes, it's smacked down, you know, you know, brand new, uh, uh, inflation data comes out, shows really high inflation. Inflation's the highest it's been, um, you know, since, uh, the late 2000s. And, you know, silver's down on that news because, oh my gosh, I mean, the Fed might hike rates once, right? And, and then you get the opposite of that. You get a good jobs number or a lower than expected CPI. And, and what happens is, well, silver still goes down. I mean, it, 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 you have that, that objective evidence, the empirical evidence of, of firms looking to, to basically coordinate, um, on the price action for silver and gold. But then you also have these really inexplicable events that, that have left some silver and gold investors really, you know, jaded and have left others, you know, furious and, 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 um, really confounded as to why somebody would, would refuse to, to acknowledge such, you know, blatant, um, manipulation. But, but it is an important thing to keep in mind. But, but I think we have to go past that. And also think about some of the other factors that are coming into play when it comes to silver and gold um, and then being monetary metals. Now, this is where it, it gets a little confusing for me as well. But I've been saying for a while now that that in terms of you know, why isn't silver taken off as much as it should or why has it been down so much since you know the beginning of the summer, essentially. And, and I think a lot of that comes down to um, narrative. There's this narrative out there that the Fed is ready to to tighten, to, to stop QE, to, you know, eventually hike rates, you know, basically pull out some of that support for the market and for the, for the current system. Uh, but, but it's simply a narrative. It hasn't happened yet. It's based purely on Fed speak. And, and actually, if you listen to one of my podcasts later this week, I'll be talking about why that is becoming less likely, um, by the day, including with, um, Jerome Powell's recent, uh, the, the recent leaked reports, um, 
that he uh, that he was trading the market um, back in 2020, and in, in a way that certainly looks suspicious. But never mind if it looks suspicious. He should, he, you know, a Fed chairman shouldn't be doing that in the first place. Uh, but but you know you have a narrative out there that the Fed is going to tighten, right? Whether it's on the basis of inflation, but they can't tighten significantly. Never mind how high inflation might be, the stock market and, and much of the economy, um, much of the, the bond market, uh, currency markets, they're, they're dependent on the support that the Fed has provided through their monetary stimulus, right? And they, they have provided a huge amount of stimulus that has led to increased liquidity and credit growth. And that's really the name of the game when it comes to the Fed and it has been for like 20 plus years. Just keep creating credit growth and providing liquidity to the system. And, and you can keep this bubble from popping all the way. What that means is that they're really backed into a corner in that they can't tighten significantly, especially as you know the system becomes more highly levered and, and more fragile, more dependent on, on the support that they're giving. And so there's this narrative... I think, which is a false and, and a poorly, um, um, poorly conceived narrative, but but it is what it is, and, and that's a big part of why you're seeing silver and gold having a hard time breaking out because of an expectation of um, of higher rates, of a stronger dollar, and and that leaves silver and gold, which you know in some ways are going to be more more affected by the dollar and more affected by by uh, monetary policy because they're monetary metals, um, it, you see them sort of lagging behind a lot of these re- the rest of these you know commodities. Now, I said like a couple minutes ago, it's a little confusing for me because in the whole scheme of things, yes, a lot of these markets, oil markets, lumber, copper, et cetera, they're a little more dependent on, on, on a, you know supply and demand maybe than silver and gold would be just because silver and gold markets are so um, so much more synthetic, so much more based on on paper trading versus. Although there's something I want to read here real quick here in a minute uh, in regards to the copper market, but but so much more synthetic than than a lot of these commodities, which you know where delivery is is not the exception, but but is the rule for for a lot of these. You know, not always. I shouldn't say the rule, but but it's expected. It's it's not something you're you're not going to you know. Have have a, a few million um, barrels of crude oil just sit on the exchange indefinitely. Like I mean that you no, know, it, it gets moved around, it gets delivered, and, and there's a buyer that that wants to use that for one purpose or another. Whereas silver and gold, you know, purportedly mm-hmm. just sort of sits on the exchanges. Um, and so, you know, there, there's some differences there. But in the whole scheme of things, I mean, those markets should be affected, or or conversely, silver and gold should be just as affected. By not only those supply and demand factors, but also uh, inflation and monetary and fiscal uh, um, stimulus. And I mean, that's what I've been saying lately that, you know, what we're seeing in the energy markets, natural gas, crude oil, uranium, coal. I mean, this is what we should expect in a high inflation environment. And, and likewise for a lot of these other commodities. We just haven't seen it yet in silver and gold. And, and as I've said before, I think the one big thing that is is stopping it is Really, the, the the debunking of this narrative that the Fed can somehow, um, you know, defy their their long standing history um, of, of failing to do so, and and actually tighten to a reasonable extent without absolutely breaking the system. You know, the the one thing I wanted to read for you real quick here. This is um from from Zero Hedge, uh, titled um, 
Trafigura, Trafigura, yeah, a trading firm, Trafigura Group, um, was uh, behind a, okay, revealed as culprit behind copper market mayhem. Quote, uh, this is Bloomberg reports saying people familiar with the matter that Trafigura Group was behind a significant proportion of the orders to withdraw copper from London Metals Exchange warehouses. Continuing, it's not unusual for physical traders to withdraw metal from the exchange to ship to their customers. And Trafigura isn't the only trading house to have taken metal off the exchange in recent months, the people said. And the move comes against a backdrop of very low inventories globally. Still, total requests to withdraw more than 150,000 tons of copper from LME warehouses in the past two months have all but drained the available stocks in the exchange. And Trafigura represents a significant portion of those, the people said. And so, you know, it goes on. Um, it's not, you know, it basically says it's not surprising. You know, he talks about um, that, uh, the, the, you know, it goes on to say that Trafigure emerged as one of the most high profile bulls in the copper, global copper market with head trader Costas Bintas predicting that prices will hit $15,000 in the coming years as the industry witnesses a new super cycle underpinned by booming demand in electric vehicles and renewable energy. I would argue that inflation, you know, you could add inflation to that as well. Um, additionally, Trafigura traded 4.4 million tons of copper last year, 1 million ton more, tons more than its largest rival, Glencore. But what's really interesting here, this is from Bank of America, this is from Michael Widmer, says, quote, if more metal doesn't make it into the exchange, then it really is in a difficult position. Right now, the LME is running a physical contract that effectively effectively is not really backed by physical metal. <laughs> Sounds familiar? Essentially, what he's referring to here is this huge spread that has built between the copper sprot, uh, <laughs> sprots on the mine, apparently, um, the copper spot in the three-month contract. Uh, a spread between those two, which has, um, which has, you know, it's basically at record highs right now. A thousand dollar, thousand dollar premium essentially between those two. Um, and, and that's really unheard of, right? And essentially what he's saying here is that, you know, you know, three month, three month contract is one thing, but, but in terms of, you know, on the, you know, on the spot market for, for more or less immediate delivery, uh, as he said, right now, the LME is running a physical contract that effectively is not really backed by physical metal. Again, does it sound familiar? The widest spread since at least 1994. At what point does this happen to the silver market? Right? We've seen the same thing happening in the COMEX and the slow drain of the COMEX recently dropped below 100 million ounces. Um, um, and I think it's registered stocks for silver. You know, at what point does something similar, does a similar run on the silver spot market happen? Maybe never. I don't know. And maybe the price at some point just decouple and, and, and the COMEX is, is sort of left behind. I don't, it's hard to say. Um, but once again, um, we're, we're seeing these things play out in, in some of these other commodity markets. And, and I'm not the type to, you know, there's a lot of just real pessimism in one of my recent posts, one of my recent podcasts about manipulation. Uh, many of which were basically uh, saying it's never going to end, right? Why would it end if it's worked so far? And, and of course, I mean, all these things eventually come to an end. And the longer they last, you know, the more spectacularly they fail. As always, I'd like to thank every one of you from the bottom of my heart for once again, tuning into today's podcast and God bless.